This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. We also host an annual conference, a five-day experience of transformation, held in August each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today my guest is Bronwyn Stina. Bronwyn founded Australia's International House of Reiki with her husband, Franz Stina, and teaches the system of Reiki in Asia, North America, and Europe. A student of the Japanese lineage of Asui Reiki Ryoho, she is the co-author of four books, including the Reiki Sourcebook and the Japanese Art of Reiki. With Sounds True, Bronwyn has created a two-session audio program called Reiki Meditations for Self-Healing, where she helps listeners access their innate capacity for deep relaxation in order that we may live more naturally in alignment with our authentic self. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Bronwyn and I spoke about some of the central myths that surround the practice of Reiki. We also talked about the importance of grounding as part of the practice, as well as the origins of Reiki, practicing Reiki with animals, and how we can open right now to whatever is needed most in our life. Here's my conversation with Bronwyn Stina. Bronwyn, I think people think that Reiki is a form of hands-on healing, some type of hands-on healing. And to begin with, could you help our listeners understand what might be unique about Reiki from other forms of hands-on healing? Okay. Yes, it is a a form of hands-on healing. Um, As a teacher of the system, I see it as something um, more broader than that. So perhaps that will help distinguish it from from other systems. Um, The way that I see the system is that it's made up of five elements, and one of those elements is hands-on healing. But there are other aspects to it as well. So we have, um, I guess a good place to start is to say that, yes, it is something that you would do. And I guess when people say hands-on healing, they might think of, working on other people and uh, helping other people. And that's definitely something that you can do if you do, if you know, if you learn the system of Reiki. However, it's also something that you can do on yourself. And the elements, when they come together, actually focus first on healing the self, so helping you to become more healthy and happy and whole, more balanced. And then with that aspect of yourself being um, so much more brighter and and open for energy uh, work, then you can go and help other people. 
And I know that in the West, um, we have focused much more on the hands-on healing aspect. But I, I'd like to just mention the other elements as well that we do work with. And these are the things that help us to, um, to be good hands-on healing practitioners. So the first of those is the precepts. We have uh, precepts, and another word for precepts is instructions. So they're instructions, and they're really simple and and really, um, well, let me put it this way, they're actually not simple to do, but they sound simple. And uh, they are, I'll just read them out for you. Um, for today only, do not anger, do not worry, be humble, be honest in your work, and be compassionate to yourself and others. Is that the first one, or is that all of the precepts? Because that that's sounds like it, a mouthful. Oh, that's all of it. Okay, thank goodness. <laughs> so there's five of them, and um, they they have the little intro, which is for today only. So that's really about you know in each moment to see if we can you know not bear anger and and not worry and you know like I said, they're simple things these instructions. However, they're enormously hard to actually um, incorporate. <laughs> always in your life. Now that word precepts sounds very moralistic. I was a little intimidated by the use of that word. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I mean, if you look it up, you might find, you know, law as one of the, you know, one of the things that, that, that it, it might be, but it's also an instruction and, and really we see it as an instruction. So it's just something there, they're guidelines for you to follow. Um, to help you to to live a good life. Now, Bronwyn, we're going to have to pause. There's a lot I want to talk to you about, and I really want to get into a lot of aspects of Reiki. But just beginning with these instructions, we're going to have to talk about them a little bit. This first one, just for today, do not get angry. I mean, aren't there times when being angry is exactly what's needed in a situation? I would think so. Um, Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, we need to... The precepts don't work... um, individually as well, and as neither do the elements of the system of Reiki. So, um, you know, we need to be compassionate as well, you know. So I think each of the things, there are times when we definitely feel anger and, um, you know, we need to look at why we feel that anger and, and you know, um, is it beneficial to the situation that we're in when we're feeling that anger? Um, you know, are we hurting people when we're angry? So you know, it's it's a it's it's a very deep subject. You're right, and um, it's something that what we the way we work with these we work with them with um, meditation practices. So we do a lot of contemplation with the um, with the precepts. We also use them in a uh, form of mantra. So we would um, repeat one precept over and over again, and really absorb the um, the meaning of it in a different way. So, you know, there are different ways of working with it and really bringing our awareness simply to the precepts and, and having that awareness there is going to help us to, to work with each one of them. So, you know, those are sort of the ways that we, we would work with them. Well, a very interesting thing that you said is that they all work together. I know in previous discussions that I've had with Reiki practitioners, it seems like they look at each one as a unique principle, not this idea that they're all an interrelated whole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is very unique, I guess, to the way that 
um, you know, uh, myself, France, and myself would teach um, at the International House of Reiki. We we see everything as interrelated because, in truth, I mean, nothing is nothing exists on its own. So uh, it's the same with the actual uh, the practice. For example, hands-on healing, which you mentioned before. Um, you know, if we are, are working with hands-on healing, we're going to be better practitioners if we uh, don't worry. I mean, if I'm practicing, uh, if I'm uh, doing a Reiki treatment on someone and I am sitting there worrying about the treatment, you know, is the person going to like it? Uh, am I doing the right thing? All these things are actually going to obstruct my ability to be open to the energy and to allow the energy to flow. So working on myself with the precepts and being aware that you know, worry is not going to benefit me, then I'm going to be a better practitioner as well. Now, this idea, just for today, I will not yep. worry, that's feeling particularly meaningful to me at this moment while I'm talking to you. And yeah. the idea that you would use these in your meditation practice. I'm curious if you could just go into that for a moment, if there are other worriers out there who might be listening <laughs> to us right now. How would I, just for today, I will not worry, how would I work with that? Can you take me through a little bit experientially here? Yeah. Um, so what you would do, um, as I said, I, I sort of briefly went into it before, but what you would do is you can simply contemplate. So you might... Um, sit quietly and just relax and um, make yourself comfortable, but not too comfortable so that you're falling asleep. So, you know, sitting in a, in a relaxed position somewhere. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling particularly worried, I mean, there are different things that we would do technique-wise. Um, and once again, this is this, uh, you know, bringing all the elements together because one of the other elements is the meditations and the techniques. So, um, you know, one of the, our meditations is grounding. You know, when we work, we work with what is called the hara. And the hara is the, um, an area about um, three finger widths below the belly button and inside the body. And it's the grounding force of the Japanese energetic system. And as the system of Reiki is Japanese, this is the system that we work with. So this hara inside the body, inside your belly, down deep in your belly, this is the area that grounds you. And this is the area that we work on to really um, feel connected to the earth, to, um, to feel that strength in ourselves, um, to feel strong and calm and so if, if we were feeling worried um, and our awareness was with the worry and, 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 and knowing that, you know, it's not beneficial to us and, you know, our instructions are do not worry just for today, you know, we could take the time to actually sit in a relaxed space and breathe down into the hara and fill the hara with beautiful energy and air and then as you breathe out, you expand that energy out through your body. And we would do it again, breathing in, trying to bring that energy down into the hara, filling it up with a beautiful, warm energy. And then as you breathe out, 
expanding your hara out through your body. Now that's a really basic technique that we teach in the system of Reiki. It's one of the first techniques that you will learn. And it is all about expanding that strength of the hara. Also, it's also called our original energy. So it's our real source and expanding that out through our body so that we have this strength, so that it actually moves as the energy moves through your body. It's actually moving those things, taking those things that are obstructing you from feeling calm and, and really connecting to that harder energy. So allowing that energy to really take you over and, and, and move the worry in you. So that would be um, a very simple foundation practice that, that we would teach. And, you know, I said, you know, try to get the energy down there into the hara. I mean, you don't actually try. I was thinking that's not quite right. I mean, really, it's with practice that you get to do that. Often people find it more difficult in the beginning and, you know, they're breathing in and they they get the energy down into their chest. You know, the energy flows with the air and you get it down into your chest and you're like, oh, I can't get it any further. So um, you just relax, don't worry. And um, just breathing in again and really focusing on the hara. Some people actually, when you're doing it, find it very beneficial to put their hand over their belly. So below your belly button, on your, your nice little round belly down there, put your hands across it. And then as you breathe in, you feel your hand actually rise. So you can try that. So breathing down, pushing your hand out. And as you breathe out, letting that energy expand through you and we'll do it again breathing in down into your belly feeling the warmth and hold it there and then as you breathe out just let that energy move through you and feel that connection to the earth feel your strength feel the solidness of your body Mm, that's very helpful, Bronwyn. And, and also, I'm starting to get an understanding that when you're talking about Reiki, hands-on healing is a component, but meditation is a component, grounding is a component, and living in alignment with these precepts. Now, you quickly told us what the precepts were, and I think I got yeah. uh, overwhelmed and didn't get <laughs> it all. We started with, just for today, I will not anger and I will not worry. And then what comes after that? To be humble. Okay. Yeah, and then to be honest in your work. And when we talk about honest in our work, we're not talking about the nine to five thing. We're talking about life, our work. It might even be our spiritual practice. And we do see the system of Reiki as a spiritual practice. And the last is be compassionate to yourself and to others. Wonderful. Now, one of the big questions that I have about Reiki, and now I'll be a little confessional here, which is I did go through a Reiki level one training and received something that was called an attunement. And it was a type of ceremony. I don't really know what happened during the ceremony, but supposedly the Reiki energy was turned on during this ceremony such that it would flow through me in the future. 
And I don't know if you've been feeling the Reiki energy coming through me or not. That's kind of a joke. But in any case, the reason I say that is I I always felt a little suspicious because that's yeah. just my nature. Yeah, Did anything you. happen during this yeah. attunement? What and if so, what happened? Can you help yeah. me? What goes on during a Reiki attunement? What happens? Yeah, I can tell you. So um, just to, to clarify that, so the attunement and the Reiki is the... Attunement is the um, uh, let me, uh, Western form, if you like, of the Japanese thing called a reiju. So you can put them sort of on the same level together. But they are one of the five elements of the system of reiki. So we had the precepts, we had the hands-on healing, we had the meditations and techniques, and we have reiju and attunement. So that's the fourth one. And um, so what it is, well... If we look at the origin of the attunement, and that is the reiju, which is the Japanese practice, and um, the word reiju means spiritual blessing. And, you know, maybe the word attunement, when it came across to the West, that's the word that was chosen for it. Um, but in other countries, you know, they like in France, they call it um, initiation or initiation or how they might ever say that. But, you know, initiation. And perhaps that is the best word for it and the best way for us to understand it because it is the initial experience of working consciously with energy. And that is what the teacher is there for. The teacher is there to support you in understanding what it is that you can do, you know, what this is, what Reiki is. And, uh, you know, um, this initial understanding is um, experienced as um, the attunement. It's a ritual that the teacher does. And um, the teacher, the intent of the teacher is not to uh, to do anything to the student. So they're not trying to make the student do anything. Um, the, the teacher connects energetically with the student. If you think of it as a blessing, they're connecting with the student and the student is touching on what it feels like to have worked with the system of Reiki. Students getting a feel of the teacher's experience of energy work. Does that make sense? It does. I think one of the questions I have is there's this idea that after this initiation, now this energy is forever turned on in you. And before, it wasn't. It was off in your system. And then you had an initiation, and now it's like the light switch went on. Yeah. And I'm curious if you see it that way. I don't, no. And, I, um, and, and through that understanding of what I just said, I guess you can see why I don't. Um, because, it, well, for me, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh, the word Reiki is spiritual energy. We see it as the spiritual energy of the energy of everything. And it is the energy that, that we are, that we are in, um, that we exist in, that everything exists in. So how could I possibly not already 
the Reiki. But I don't necessarily have a conscious awareness of being Reiki and um, what I can and do with that, you know, how I can actually work with it. So um, what what the attunement is um, doing is actually bringing your awareness to who you are. And it's certainly not um, making you into something. I mean, there are so many myths that abound within the system of Reiki. And most fortunately, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased that a lot of them are disappearing over time as we become more uh, practical, you know, and we take away the mystique and the... Um, uh, mysticism you know I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with mysticism but if it's misused um, you know to propagate something for a person's gain for example you know then it then things get out of hand tell me what you think these central myths have been about Reiki um, well I think you've really hit one of them and that is that an attunement makes you into something you know and also different attunements this one will turn you into this this one will turn you into that you know um it's you know as far as i see the system of reiki i i don't see anything like that and i see it really about a person um working to connect to um to learn to understand um, that they are a great bright light and, and coming back to that great bright light who they really are, trying to get rid of all the garbage that, that covers it. And um... Well, okay, let me ask the question maybe in a different way about this attunement phenomenon. So let's yep. say that I never took a Reiki class and I put my hands on somebody and tuned into my heart just in a natural way and tried to direct loving energy at this person. So that's person A. Now this same human goes through an attunement and a day later does the same thing, puts their hands, opens their hearts. Do you think it would be significantly different, have a different healing impact after the attunement or no difference? Yep. Um, Well, I think the idea here is that, you know, some people will say, oh, look, I've been attuned to Reiki. And to me, that means absolutely nothing because the attunement on its own is nothing. It's the actual elements that we've been talking about that make a system, yeah? And it is a system that you would follow to be a Reiki practitioner. So say that um, I was at someone's house and they said, oh, 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 I'll do an attunement on you and I'd never done Reiki before. You know, it may well absolutely mean absolutely nothing to me. And it may well not affect me in any way, simply because I'm not really in the place for it. I'm in mentally, you know, and I'm not um, working towards something. An attunement is something that a teacher does to support a student. So uh, back to your A and B people, um, I would say that, um, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a difficult one to say. I would say that the person, if they had been more than attuned to the system of Reiki, but had taken a Reiki course, then their consciousness would be very much in what they do. They would definitely already be consciously working energetically. And when they would put their hands on someone, then they may feel uh, more happening for them than uh, if uh, they had not done a course. However, there's so many, you know, there are so many things here because 
you've got to look at that each person is unique and that some people already work a lot energetically, but perhaps not totally consciously, um, where others may you know, be feeling quite disconnected. So when everyone comes out of a Reiki class, they're not all on some you know, layer one and uh, they really, everyone is totally unique and how they will have experienced that course will be totally unique because we're all totally unique and we've all had different experiences in our life. So, you know, we, I can't say, well, you know, this is what you're going to feel or how you're going to feel it or what's going to happen, you know. It really is such a unique experience and it's something in Japan, when you do a, a Reiki course, say you become a level one practitioner, you you do a course, but it doesn't mean that you're actually that practitioner. It means you've begun at that level. So, you know, it's really about, once again, that initial experience and, and taking that initial experience and working on yourself and developing that. Now, I realize for people who have no knowledge or experience of Reiki, this may seem like... I'm overdriving this point about the initiation. <laughs> However, no. what you're saying is very controversial, it seems to me, within what I've at least experienced with Reiki practitioners, meaning what I've experienced is this idea that the attunement, and I think this is true not just with Reiki, but many other spiritual traditions, that the mm-hmm. attunement is like a magical initiatory moment, and that from the moment of the attunement on, you are forever different, regardless of whether or not you're changing your lifestyle or are channeling a a particular kind of love or openness when your hands are on people. It's like the lights have just been turned on because you've received this attunement. And what I hear you saying is that you're not convinced that's true. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, that's what you're saying there is really just another one of the the myths, you know, that um, that it, that you know you're turned on and it stays that way for life, you know. Well, that's bullshit because you know if if you really think about it, say that I did a Reiki course and then I went away and I lived a life that. Um, in no way followed those precepts that we talked about and was definitely not interested in following those precepts. You know, I mean, really, what sort of a practitioner would I be? You know, Um, would I be this great bright light? No. But what I'm saying is that when um, when when we have this initiation, this attunement or this rage, what we're doing is the student will sense there is something magical to this you can't ignore that and I'm I'm not trying to take the magic out of it because life is magical and uh, it's it's just what we it's just how we interpret it perhaps but um, when I'm a student and I receive an attunement or sit with an attunement with a teacher um, I sense something and it can be wonderful, and it's beautiful to hear the experiences that people do have when they have attunements, because they are actually connecting. They're being allowed something in themselves through the ritual allows themselves to open up and to experience this energy that we normally consciously are not aware of, 
And, you know, people can see it in different ways or feel it in different ways. There are so many uh, unique experiences with the attunement. So there is a level of, of definitely of magic um, to this, but it is not something that um, there is no rule. There is no rule book for, for energy. It, it doesn't say that once you've done this, you are forever changed and you can never go back. It, in Japan, there is an association, and um, it has existed since the early 1900s, and they come together regularly. And what they do at each time that they come together, the, um, the head practitioners do raid you on the students. And the reason why they do this is because they're constantly supporting their students' energetic practice. And they are not making them into something, turning them into something. Um, you know, they are just there to support them energetically. You said some people during the initiatory experience see or feel Reiki in a certain kind of way, see or feel mm. what's happening or changing in them. How do you see or feel Reiki energy, if you could call it that? Do you mean me personally? Yes. Okay, because, you know, um, for everybody, it is totally unique. So, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can feel energy um, moving and, uh, you know, when my consciousness is with it, I can um, physically um, feel energy. And the more that we work with energy, the more that we, um, that, that sensitivity to, to the movement of energy grows. I think that would be the simplest way to explain that. Well, for example, when you meet somebody who's a very developed Reiki practitioner, does that feel differently to you than when you meet a different kind of person, someone who's never been exposed to Reiki? Does it have a different feel to you? Um, now, that's an interesting question. You know... If I took it, can I take it out of Reiki? The sure. system of Reiki is a is a is a bit of a minefield at times, and you sort of said that yourself, you know. So I wonder how many really developed practitioners there are out there, and because of a lot of the myths that have existed, a lot of people um, have uh, you know taken Reiki courses and things like that, but have have they really developed themselves? Maybe, maybe not, you know. So I, I think that, you know, what we've tried to do is to really help people through our research into um, the origins of the system, really help people to get a feel for something that this is a practice and it's something that's ongoing and something that you can continue to work um, with yourself. Um, but if I... So just let me take it out of Reiki for a moment. I think that... Um, I'll just use an experience um, which I never had personally but uh, my husband when he was in Japan he uh, met um, just walking on a mountain he met one of these practitioners who are um, uh, what do they call them living I've forgotten the name but they're, they're, they're considered um, living Buddhas. That's not quite the right name. I've, I've just lost it for the moment. But what it means is that they've done, uh, they're Shugendo practitioners and they've done amazing energetic practices using um, Japanese techniques, obviously. 
And, um, you know, Franz said he met this guy uh, for two minutes on a path on a mountain. And he was, for at least a day, still shaking energetically afterwards. You know, and I, I think it's that level that, you know, well, I'm definitely not there yet. And, and you know, that of, of energetic work, that if we continue to work on ourselves, that we definitely can um, uh, very um, significantly affect others without having to have great rituals and, and you know, things around it. In fact, the founder of the system of Reiki, uh, Mikao Sui, he was said to do the attunement by sitting opposite a person. And he actually didn't move or do anything. You would just sit opposite him. And he would connect with you. And you would connect with him. And he would support you energetically in that way. So, you know, we do the rituals because we need the rituals, because we're not really there yet. Can you tell us a little bit more about the origins of Reiki? How did this gentleman come to discover Reiki in the first place? Yeah, okay. Well, there's a lot of um, different stories about him because there's very little uh, written um, information about him. So, you know, it would be easy to, to give a whole list of wonderful things that he'd done, but really these things are word of mouth. And um, if we want something factual about the man who started it, then the best place to go would be his memorial stone. And in Tokyo, there is a graveyard, and um, I've been there and seen it, and it's a, a beautiful big um, sort of obelisk thing, and it's it's the memorial stone, and it is written in old Japanese, which is um, pre-World War II. Um, it's all engraved, and it is written by the association um, that existed in the early 1900s, the Reiki Association, and they talk about him and what he did in his life. So he was born um, in the 1860s, and um, he... Uh, what we understand is that he came from a, um, a family that would have been a um, samurai uh, family, and that at that time the samurais were actually um, uh, uh, there was a changeover in, in in the politics in Japan, and the samurai were actually losing their position in in, in the culture. And um, he came from that class, and they, in that class, he would have learned a lot of the classical things that Japanese people at that time did. And those are the things that we will also find within the system. For example, there's poetry, which we don't really use in the West, but they did use in Japan, and Mikao Yusui used it as a form of contemplation. And uh, the poems are called Waka, and... They are spiritual poems about nature. And they would use them to contemplate in, in a similar way, you know, that we would the, the precepts. And they would contemplate these as a way of developing spiritually. So we, if we look at his life, he um, did a number of different things. And he, he um, took practices such as martial arts, um, where we can see a lot of the influence 
of the elements of the system of Reiki come from martial arts backgrounds. They, the symbols and mantras that are taught in the second level and the third level in the system of Reiki are, um, can be quite you know, seen in, in a lot of them in the martial arts elements. Um, he was a Shigendo practitioner, it appears, which means that he would have done a lot of work on mountains. Um, Mount Hiei in Japan is a famous uh, mountain for Shigendo practitioners. And Mount Kurama specifically is um, connected with Makari Sui, the founder of the system, where he uh, meditated. Um, Shigendo practices include 21-day practices where they would uh, fast for 21 days on the mountain. And um, within the system of Reiki in the West, we, we often use 21 days as a, um, a sort of a healing um, time after one does a, a course that you would go through 21 days of practice. It's very interesting when you look at the history to see where each of the things you know have come from and, and, and been drawn upon from within the, the Japanese culture, and yet we have lost the understanding of, of the origins of these these things. He died. He died in 1926, so he was born in 1865 and died in 1926. Um, as I said, the memorial stone is the place that has most of the information about his life. And what we can see is that it was something that he actually did for himself as a spiritual practice. And he took different elements from different areas um, and, and created this, this system, which he probably didn't even call it a system back then. And he taught people. And uh, people who were interested in seeing his spiritual development, they asked for him to teach them. So you know, he would pass it on in that way. So would you say then that he was the founder of a spiritual path called Reiki and that that is now the path that you're on? Um, yes. And, and the reason, the thing is that we would call it the system of Reiki rather than just Reiki because the word Reiki is a word that is quite commonly used or especially at that time, it was quite commonly used in Japan by many other groups who were doing um, energetic work and working with spiritual energy, working with Reiki. So um, we call it the system of Reiki. So uh, to clarify that we're not just talking about energy, we're actually talking about a system that has different elements. And we do see it as a spiritual path, and we see it as a way to find... I mentioned that before, but really, you know, to find that great bright light within us. And so you would consider it a, quote-unquote, complete spiritual path, meaning that within this system of Reiki, it offers everything you need for your spiritual path. Absolutely. Though, of course, a lot of Reiki practitioners do other things as well, you know, and it doesn't preclude anything. It doesn't mean you can't do anything else. And a lot of practitioners are uh, yoga practitioners sure. or... Sure. So in many ways, talking to you, Bronwyn, I think I might call you the rational Reiki practitioner. (laughs) Now, I know that one of the ways you're described is as a Reiki researcher. And I'm curious what research you've done and what research exists, if any, to prove the effectiveness of Reiki. Ah, yes. You mean scientific research? Yes. Um, well, I wouldn't say that that was my um, ultimate field, scientific research. I've been more involved in historical research. Um, 
But there is scientific research which uh, does exist, and the problems with that are getting numbers, getting funding. Um, you know, a lot of the research that's taken place is with very small numbers, and it's not accepted. Um, so, it, you know, by the by scientific community. So, um, scientifically, there is research, and you will find it out there. In fact, you know, there are different websites which will list, you know, research that's been undertaken. I think one of the things that I personally find about research um, is that because the system of Reiki is not diagnostic, yeah, so we don't say you've got this or you've got that, we don't work on, we try not to um, restrict our work by or limit what we're doing energetically by directing the energy. So it's quite a difficult thing. Like in truth, you know, if I've got a pain in my tooth, yes, I may put my hand, if I'm doing hands-on healing on myself, you know, I might put my hands over my tooth. But I might probably, it would probably be more beneficial for me to actually... Um, you know, work through perhaps um, intuitively over my body, putting my hands on other areas on the body and, and sensing where the energy is, is being drawn. Because my rational mind and <laughs> my rational mind would be telling me that it's my tooth, but perhaps the problem comes from somewhere else. Who am I to diagnose this? You know, who am I to say? And really what I want is for the energy to be drawn where my body needs it, not where I think that I need it. So, you know, we, we say um, to ourselves when we work on ourselves or we ask our clients to say this as well, that we say, I am open to receive whatever it is that I may need at this exact moment in time. So, Bronwyn, I know that in your experience that you work with Reiki not just with people but with animals, and I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, animal Reiki, especially in the U.S., actually, is, is really um, becoming very, very popular. And I, I guess there's a number of different reasons for that. Um, one is that a lot of animals are finding themselves in bad situations. Um, so they're in shelters, um, you know, they've been abused, um, and people are looking for ways to, to help these animals. So there's a lot of volunteering in the animal Reiki community. And um, the way that we work with that, I mean, you can work with your pets, um, and it's such a beautiful thing. And you know what we have to remember is that humans are animals too. So, you know, we, we're all animals and, and we all, um, it, it's really interesting to work with um, non-human animals because it gives us a great deal of insight into working with humans as well. And uh, when we work with animals, what we want to do is we don't want to force it on an animal. So we don't want to say, you sit there, I'm going to put my hands on you and you're going to take this because they're not going to, yeah, because they have their own minds and they're going to 
um, you probably, if you're forcing them, they're, they're going to want to get out of there as quickly as possible. So what we want to do is we want to open ourselves up as a practitioner and we want to offer the energy to the animal. And we can do this by being next to them. We can do this by being five meters away from them, you know. So we don't need to be on top of the animal. And we give the animal the choice whether they want that or not. And uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And and animals can then um, come to you if they're wanting it. Or they can run the other way if they say, look, I'm just not interested. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you if, if that's the case as well. It's, it's just the way that it is. And, you know, animals can change their mind. I had a dog who um, I got from a pound, and she was a very nervy dog, and she didn't like men, and, you know, she didn't like trucks, and there was a lot of things she didn't like, and she didn't like Reiki. <laughs> And, you know, here I am, a Reiki teacher and a Reiki practitioner, and and my dog doesn't like Reiki. And, you know, it was, I I found it just so strange. But um, she she just found it too much, I think. And, uh, well, I'm guessing, I'm interpreting here, I don't know, but that was how I felt about it. And um, it was just too much for her to deal with, and she'd had a hard life. So um, towards the end of her life, though, she, when she became, um, she became ill, and um, I offered her Reiki, and she would soak it up, and it was so beautiful, and it was really um, her saying, "Now is the time that I just have to accept this, and I, I really can let go and and appreciate um, the sense of calm and and healing that it offers me." And what kind of effect did you see it having? Well, she actually had cancer, and um, I actually think she, she, you know, she um, had a lump um, in her jaw, and uh, I initially got that cut out, and um, when we first found out, and uh, she, you know, she, they told us that, you know, she wouldn't have long, you know, it's a typical story, she wouldn't have long to live, and it'd grow back very aggressively after being cut out, or whatever, you know, and 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 these sorts of things, so. We we didn't hold out a lot of hope, but she lived for at least three years. And um, during that time, she she loved receiving Reiki. So, you know, I really felt that it supported her, and um, it gave her. It, it was a sense of love that she could, and for her to be able to open up. I mean, such a big thing for this little dog, you know, to be able to open up and accept this. Um, it was a very slow opening, you know, and I would actually feel when I first started, I was like, oh my goodness, because I could feel the energy moving, and I thought, she's starting to to accept, you know, me offering her, her Reiki, and um, that became stronger and stronger over time, so it was a beautiful thing. And do you have an explanation for yourself, an internal explanation for how Reiki works, whether it's on humans or an animal? Yeah, um... I see us as being this beautiful, great, bright light, this amazing being and thing and connected with everything. And I see it covered in, in all this stuff, you know, and, and, and really the light's just not getting through. And that beautiful, bright light is what we want to get back to. So when we do something like Reiki, 
we are consciously allowing that energy to expand within us to to you know remove the obstacles that are that are in its path i guess uh, perhaps a better way to explain that is to say as if we were a garden hose and we naturally would be like water you know the water flowing through the hose that's us that's energy that's us in our perfect great bright light state but a hose gets kinks in it you know and it gets all these different things and what we want to do is we want to get those kinks out so when we work with energy we're drawing on more of that energy so there's more water flowing through and it's pushing through and it's removing those obstacles removing the kinks and bringing us back to who we really truly are now we talked previously about some of the myths about reiki and i want to try this one on you I've seen people not only give Reiki to their animals, but give Reiki to a stack of letters before they send them out, or give Reiki to their car that's not working quite right. I've seen this. You know, I live in Boulder, Colorado, where Sounds True is located. What do you think of this, giving Reiki to objects? Mm -mm -mm. Well, you know, I I think everything's got energy in it. And, um, you know, I met this, um, this, this monk once, and he had this uh, hard drive or something for a computer. And he was sort of, he was, it was in uh, India, in Darjeeling. And, uh, I lived there for a year. And he was a reincarnation of someone and he, he traveled the world and he was relatively young. And anyway, he had this broken hard drive and he, it, it, he was like, yeah, it's not working. And he said, but I know how to fix it. And he picked it up and he shook it and really hard. <laughs> And then it started working again. And I was like, that is absolutely crazy that you would actually shake something that's broken to make it better. But look, I, I really don't know. Um, I just found it very amusing when he did that because it was like it was the opposite of what I would have considered doing. And I guess, you know, maybe we need to be open to things happening. I think everything is connected and, you know, um. I'm open to things, you know. I, you called me rational before. I don't actually see myself as rational. I, I guess I see myself as practical, but I see myself as extremely experiential. And I think that's really important. You actually have to be open to experience things. And you need to be uh, open to allow that connectedness with life to exist. I mean, all those things you mentioned... Um, you know, they are all a part of life. We are not, a letter is not just a letter. It is a part of this world. And I'm a part of this world. We're all a part of it. And we all coexist together. And I, my feeling for that is that um, although I may not be, you know, doing Reiki on the letters that I send out, for example, um, I, I'm open to being in a state where I am connected to things and I don't want to make things happen. You know, that's the thing about, you know, I guess this might be the other issue connected with that. If I'm doing Reiki on a letter, am I saying, I want this to do this, this, this and this? I actually don't. That's not the way that I work with the system of Reiki. You know, I want everything. I don't want, I, you know, the idea is that everything um, has has a perfect state. 
and it's a state of balance and that's the state that you know I am working toward and um, uh, and it doesn't mean that I'm not going to die because we all die and um, but perhaps it's how I die <laughs> you know and and how I feel and and, and those sorts of things so uh, you know if people want to do that well and good and uh, but as I said perhaps it's the intention behind it that's the that's the thing that perhaps I wouldn't be uh, why I perhaps would not be doing it now you said that the experience is the most important thing to you that you're an experiencer and so yeah. I'm curious here with Reiki mm. what was your experience early on with the system such that this became your path mm, yeah well when I when I chose to become involved with the system of Reiki, because it was something that I had known about, and in fact I think I'd, I'd made the choices at different times in my life, but they'd never quite come around, and and I've ended up doing some different things that nothing really connected with me. But when I chose to do it, I chose to do it with my husband, and we chose to do it together as a way, as a sense of healing for ourselves as a, as a couple and uh, something that we could do for ourselves to help us individually and as well. So we had, the, you know, the ideas were quite small and very focused on, on, on us. I guess, you know, on ourselves individually and as a, as a pair. Um, and we did the first level. And I actually, you know, the, we did it in, uh, when, we, when we studied, uh, we've actually studied the system of Reiki uh, a number of times, you know, uh, learning with different teachers. But the very first time was in Kathmandu. And, um, yeah, the person that we studied with would not have been my choice of teacher. But it was the we said the first teacher that we come across, because we we bought a book and we said the first teacher that we come across, you know, that's the person who um, we're going to study Reiki, and we did. And uh, you know, it was a it was a it really changed our perspective. I think because of I I I was quite open in many ways to energetic things. My husband wasn't so at that point, and that's sort of interesting because he's really into it now. So, uh, but we. We felt it was something that could bring us together, and and I felt that it definitely was. It actually gave us a path to continue our lives forward together, and something that we, when we did it, we just realised that this was something we could share. And um, little did we know that we'd go on to actually, you know, teach it and and write books and 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 do CDs with sounds true with. <laughs> so you know, really, it it it. it started us off on a path together and it's been some, it, it, just from the first moment that we did the course we knew that it was something for us. Wonderful. And just to end our conversation, Bronwyn, I'd love it if you're willing if you could give our listeners a Reiki-infused blessing here at the end. <laughs> a Reiki-infused blessing. Um, in, in what fashion would you like that? Whatever occurs to you. Whatever occurs to me. Okay. All right. Well, I'd just like everyone to make themselves comfortable. 
and relax. So take in some deep breaths. Breathe in, and as you breathe out, just feel your body letting go, relaxing. Breathe in again. And relax. Feeling your muscles just letting go, your shoulders relaxing, your face muscles relaxing, your fingers, your hands, your arms. Continue breathing in deeply. And as you breathe out, feeling your back relaxing, your bums relaxing, breathing in. And let your thighs go, your knees, your legs, and your feet. And as you sit here in a relaxed state, I'd like you to sense your spine long, allowing the air to move freely in between each of those little spinal areas down your back. Letting it breathe warm and long. Feel it moving right up your back, into your neck and into your head to spine. Breathing in and out. Now place your hands over your heart, one hand over the other hand. Now breathe into your chest with your hand on your chest. Breathing out. Breathing in, filling your chest, and as you breathe out, let go. Sense your hands, your palms. Feel a connectedness between your palms and your body. Feel the energy building between your palms and your body. The energy is building in your hands as you're breathing in and out through your chest. Focusing on your chest. And now I'd like you to say to yourself, I am open to receive. Whatever it is that I may need at this exact moment in time. Breathing into your chest gently now. Feel your chest energy expand. Your hands are enveloped in this beautiful, warm energy. Feel the energy of your heart expand through your body, down to the tip of your toes, out through your palms to your fingers, up your back to the top of your head, breathing in. And as you breathe in and breathe out, you're pulsing, with this beautiful healing energy.
feel your chest moving in and out, open and warm. And now I'd like you to sit in this energy as it grows and pulses within you, allowing healing to take place. leaving your fears and worries behind you. Be compassionate to yourself. Beautiful. I've been speaking today with Bronwyn Stina. She is in Australia, just a couple hours outside of Sydney in the mountains. And Bronwyn Stina has created with Sounds True a double session audio learning series on Reiki meditations for self-healing. Bronwyn, thank you so much for sharing with us so generously and so honestly. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Tammy. Thank you. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.